Welcome to Bevington Banter, the show where we can sound like we're arguing even when we all agree. I'm Cassidy, and together with my brother Cade and dad Randy, each week we discuss a selection of news stories, topics surrounding the culture, and matters of freedom and faith. Thanks for listening. Follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share it, and if you like what you hear, rate it five stars on Apple and Spotify. So, how's the air there? Any dead animals outside? From the toxic spillage, seventy miles of you. There's dead anim- There's dead animals, but they're not from the toxic spillage. <laughs> lead poisoning. Yeah, lead poisoning. Luckily, I believe you guys are in the the opposite direction. Yeah, where most I mean, of the effects are from right. the Ohio. If you didn't hear the train that derailed in Ohio back, I don't even remember February. It was 10th like or two weeks ago, Wednesday, I think. Yeah. Okay, so it's been a while, yes. And then they decided there's toxic spillage. What are we going to do with it? Let's set it on fire. Yeah, Create that a big was the toxic, stupid part. Big toxic so cloud over the, the see, eastern the thing United is, States. The cloud goes went southeast, but the water flows southwest. Hmm. Well, the cloud should predominantly go northeast. I mean, that's the well, I prevailing saw a, winds I, in the United States. I saw States. a picture of be, it. More towards you. I saw a picture of it, and the cloud was moving. It's east of us. Yeah, it's way east of us. It's It's like three, three and a half hours northeast of us. Wait, I saw there are two. So it's East Palestine, not Palestine. Yes. Okay. It's 230 miles away from us east. Somebody told me it was Palestine, Ohio, which is more on the Indiana border in the south. South of seventy miles south of you, so it's East Palestine no, it's, on the Pennsylvania yeah, border. Correct. Yes. Pennsylvania okay. has got just as much of a problem as Ohio does. Oh, it just as much. And, and as far as um, as far as the flow of the Ohio River, West Virginia has a huge yeah. problem as well. Yeah, I have seen. Yeah, a thing this where is basically be calling being called America's Chernobyl. Yeah, and because we have no idea what the lasting effects of this are going to be. And I'm not yeah, sure. It'll take longer. It'll take longer than the radiation levels at Chernobyl took to kill people. But you're, yeah, it could. I, I'm not sure. You get so many different mixed stories, but there hasn't been, you know, a, a big dominant news coverage from the mainstream as if it, if it were, you know, in some big, a big city or Democrat-controlled area right. that they would have had a response to. Um, but there hasn't been. You know, a whole lot of a response. I mean, I think there's oh, been I mean, some this EP, makes, EPA officials look like nothing. There's and been, that's a guy um, that goes to goes to prove what you said. Flint is in much more of a liberal area. Uh, it, it's isn't it? It's just north of Detroit, yeah, and it's yeah, like a even, low and low income kind of black neighborhood. And you're right. That's one of the things that they'll say. That's what they would always say about Flint. Well, this shows racial. Um, discrimination because they won't address the water problem in flint well this makes flint look like nothing and they won't send fema even right because fema said that this does not qualify as a natural disaster and they said that so fema classifies a natural disaster as when there's property damage caused by a tornado flood hurricane or earthquake and they said that the state, so this is because Ohio asked for FEMA assistance, the state currently does not have associated costs. It would, quote, demonstrate to FEMA to be able to get a disaster declaration, end quote, since the derailed train cars did not cause any power outages, block any roads, or impede residents' property. So they won't call it a disaster. You know, I, I, I understand FEMA and other agencies, any agency needing some set of parameters to operate within, something that defines them 
for what they do. But you can look at this and your gut tells you what's right and what's wrong. And if if you had resources that could help, then you should respond, whether it falls within your parameters or not. Um, Is there nothing that like if they've just declared a state of emergency, which I'm sure Ohio has done, or at least the area that, you know, you would think more things would be available to them? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, really, there's not there's not that much unless you go search it out on Twitter threads or something like that, or you like specifically search for somebody who's really knows what's going on and let's do it on a podcast. There's not information out there on, on in the mainstream media. It's not being covered. Which Twitter is where I saw videos of people uh, who went outside and like all my chickens are dead this morning. From the air pollution, so just add that on to the. I'm not saying this is linked to the Great Chicken Conspiracy, but just another thing. And there's a lot more animals. People are saying, you know, the river and streams are just like there's just dead fish floating down the river. I think the most alarming thing to me is not just that it's in the water. And I think one thing that people are missing in the videos where people are showing that it's in the water, and you can see kind of that rainbow effect, like J.D. Vance was just out there. What People or like the acid rain. Yeah, what people aren't understanding is that there's a video of a woman who throws a rock into the water, and then all of a sudden it turns all rainbow you colored, all these, right. and then and then JD Vance takes a stick and he rubs it on the dirt, uh, you know, at the 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 bed of the creek that he's in, yeah, and all of a sudden it turns creek. rainbow. What is concerning about that is that it's not flowing with the water. It is getting into Mm. the sediment in the bottom of the creek Mm. banks, in the bottom of the river. It's heavier than the water, and it's settling to the bottom. So what what would have been not so bad is if it had moved with the current, and it had flowed through until it finally got to an outlet and a larger body of water, and it got so diluted and parts per million basically became non-existent. Well, that's not happening. It, it is staying in in place. And yes, there are particulates um, because there was so much of it still moving downstream. So it's spreading and it's and remaining resting at, the, at the bottom. So it's it's that could take so long to clear up if it's going to embed itself in the bottom of these bo- uh, of these uh, streams. That's the yeah, biggest I, problem, I think. I think about how I would probably do whatever I possibly humanly could to just pick up and leave and not come back Um, because they're in trouble for a long time, I think. But your property values just went to zero. Mm -hmm. So how do you recoup any funds in order to be able to go and... Unless some industrial company comes in, just we're going to use it and pump out more toxins. Yeah, if you wanted to use it as a toxic waste site, I guess you could sell it to that company. <laughs> Maybe that's what we what we need. Um, yeah, but even they wouldn't want to buy it because they would still have to. They would still have the liability of yeah. subjecting they, their employees, of, yeah, and cleaning to, it up to yeah. that kind of exposure. And that this is the one place where I think that you could compare it to a Chernobyl, but like a slow moving Chernobyl is that nobody's going to want to live there for a long, long time. Somebody, I think it was Keith Melanick on Pat Gray crunched the numbers that with the population and the average home price, you could, you could buy all the houses in, in, uh, 
East Palestine for and pay to dollars. move them and right. pay to move them. <clears throat> so it would be buy it would be giving them the property value of what it was worth before the train wreck there. Okay, and moving them for around a billion dollars. Some million, a few, either multimillionaires or a billionaire. But think about the. PR publicity, the yeah, good PR for that. Norfolk well, didn't Southern, he say, though, didn't is he worth like worth almost like 30 billion. billion, yeah. So, right to check. Oh, this is the company, yeah. I so another thing that this brought to light was a few days later, less than a week later, you had two train derailments on the same day on February 13, one in Houston, one in South Carolina, some maybe having toxic material. And then I heard February 16th, a train derailment in Detroit that did carry some toxic. Uh, at least one car had hazardous materials and you know i'm sure that these things were happening but we didn't necessarily know about them and then finally good old mayor pete our secretary of transportation comes out and basically just goes there are hundreds of train derailments every year which to explain it away like that is like well why don't we address it then like why are there train derailments yeah he put the number at a thousand a year which puts you at almost three train derailments per day yeah. So that, why? I don't. And, and I heard really some people that. talk coming out about yeah some of the regulations and this could have been I don't what they talk about like they cut their they, they cut their inspection time they call it precision yeah. something but they cut their inspection time I heard a guy from the railroad saying that when these trains roll in we have like three minutes is what it used to be to inspect the car you know a car um, to see if there's any sign of any issue um, and that's been cut in half to ninety seconds. So, how yeah. are you supposed to look at anything? I think it'd be interesting. Let's look at a trend at you know train derailments per month and graph it out. And if it's increasing, then that's typically when you know the department would want to come in and ask why and root cause and <laughs> address some of these issues. Do you want to talk about what else the train well, derailment brought to light? I, I, I Go ahead. Also- make this point first think about pete Buttigieg's answer his answer was we had this bad event happen but it's really much much worse than what you think it is (laughs) so don't worry about it did you know that in south bend they actually used to call him pothole pete yeah that's what i heard well he wouldn't even yeah like private citizens and companies would have to come together to fill potholes pothole pete is what they called him and they made him the secretary of transportation um okay so anyway Another thing that this had brought to light is that you'll never guess who two very large investors are um, in Norfolk Southern. Well, BlackRock's one of them. BlackRock and Vanguard. Oh, yeah, two, the two biggest. Okay. So the other thing is, funds. you know, people will people will ask, well, why hasn't this been getting as much mainstream media play? Is because um, BlackRock and Vanguard also own somewhere in the neighborhood of like 16% of uh, like I think 12% of CNN, 16% of Fox. They own uh, parts of CBS. They own parts of uh, I think it's Charter, which is NBC. Um, Mm -hmm. And you wonder why they don't cover something like this because it one of their investors is an investor in the company in the massive story that they have refused to um, address. Now, also, there's another company I found out that has a pretty big, um, a, a pretty big portion of them is owned by BlackRock and Vanguard, and it is Nestle, and Nestle owns Purina. 
Purina oh, the chicken that feed? made the chicken feed that was sterilizing or, or at least making the chickens not lay eggs. <laughs> you know, you hear this stuff and, and I, I, I almost was because of all of this kind of stuff. I didn't today. I thought, you know, I just, I just don't have it in me to do a podcast because all of this is just so horrifically discouraging. And you hear this more and more connections. How are there people working towards what it sounds like they're working towards this end. I, I just... You mean we live in an oligarchy? It, oligarchy? But it's beyond... Oligarchy. It's, <laughs> it's beyond that. It's... we Yes, but it's beyond that. It's evil. The world is a... Yeah. Dan Bongino's show today made me want to dig a bunker. Yes, I agree. You should... We, we, we mentioned him regularly a on lot. this show, but you so should... So much If you want to get the most succinct news in you know an hour or just under an hour that's the show to listen to and today i when he started laying that out right away the four steps basically to how you know you can be defeated without firing a shot militarily i'm like well we're already well into step yeah. three yeah how china is going to invade us and not like red dawn um you know without firing a shot they're just yeah because you're right the the whole i can't what was the I can't remember what the steps are. Infiltrate. Infiltration. Collaborate. Subjugate. Des- destroy. Destruction. Subjugation. Oh, yeah. Was the last I one. can't remember which order the last two were. but um, It was destruction and then Destruction subject, and then subjugation. Subject. That right. makes but, sense, yeah. But we are well into destruction. And we yes. absolutely, every, in almost every facet now, in almost every branch of government, we have people who are already the, the Chinese collaborators. Um, Millie? Is a Chinese collaborator. Mitch McConnell, Our, the is president a Chinese... of the United States, the the um, the the Senate Minority Leader, the Senate Minority Leader is a yeah, Chinese collaborator. Um, you are not making me, but we shot down their balloons. Well, that yeah, was another thing. We he shot down about... about... other people's balloons. <laughs> well, no, a twelve dollar balloon with a four hundred thousand dollar missile. One of the other things in conjunction with his show today, Bongino's show was a guy talking about how a balloon was a great delivery vehicle for an EMP. Yeah, they, they discovered this yeah. apparently back in the 40s. When they were testing our nukes. And the thing was, the high. you think, well, if you get it way up there above the earth, a couple hundred miles, then maybe we're better off. You don't want to, you know, like at a couple thousand feet, detonate it over Chicago or something. He said, no, when you get a couple hundred miles up, it just it's, it just affects a bigger area. A couple thousand feet. Right, that's still an the actual way that nuke. electromagnetic he said, waves. He said because it's just basically the line of sight has increased and you still get the yeah. same effect over a larger area. Yeah. He said they had to stop testing this theory much. because they were apparently they were whatever islands they were doing it out of. Um, it was shutting down their electronics on the island. So, and th- what that leads to is that civilization as we know it ceases. And you're about three days away from utter chaos, from people not being able to get food and travel and water, and and it gets um, it gets real dark real fast. And you're gonna have a lot of people die, and then you have a much smaller population. That's the one and, thing that I don't. And think then that and then people, and then China just walks in. They don't need to invade. <laughs> I don't think people in like big cities um, understand what happens. Where all of their food comes from, 
the food that is kept in supermarkets and shops there in like New York especially and Chicago the really crowded cities I'm not even talking about places like LA cuz there's a LA's got is far LA more used to, they used to process thousands and thousands and thousands of heads of livestock a day I mean yeah so but places like New York and Chicago it's mainly east coast cities I would I think are going to be in serious trouble Boston um th- those kind of places because they are on a razor thin margin of food available versus population and they don't keep a lot there i mean i've seen that it's estimated that there's 3 days worth of food in every store for the population of that city um at any one given time they they don't have these big buffers of you know food for these people you're that's in the, it, serious trouble if this happens and you live in a densely populated city that's been an advantage of computerized um stock you know we we don't have to have it we, we don't need to have near the overhead stuff in supply you know in, in warehouse as we used to because now it's all computerized and we can get it you know, our needs yeah, are they sent go out off of like and delivered to us much much faster, much more rapidly. We don't need to, you know, have several weeks of supply on hand. We only need to have a couple of days supply on hand. Your your inventory software sees how much you have, and you uh, the people ring it up. It gets taken out of the inventory, and when it gets to a certain number, it automatically orders more, and it happens right. constantly. That's why they're they're taking in shipments daily. But if all that shuts off, that dries up fast. That's what when you bring out like barcodes and QR codes and stuff like that, it doesn't simply know that one item of this product left. It knows the exact item that left that was that was purchased, which, you know, again, they're up their their inventory updates and anyways it's i strongly uh, suggest that that, that's just to say i strongly suggest that people who are living in big cities either either independently be prepared with something that has a shelf life or get out of the city i would like i mean honestly i would like to have a car like from the 1960s with no computer in it. Exactly. With no computer, no computer in it. No, I thought whatsoever. Well. Um, EMP. I mean, that's the vehicle. thing. Like, you know, Cassie's saying, like, well, okay, you're going to come, you know, be with us. You guys going to, but y- your car won't start. Um, I, my, your airplane will start. My, my airplane will start. You won't have any, uh, I won't have any navigation stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. But how am I going to get fuel? How am I going to get fuel out of a, out yeah. of a pump? Can't. Yeah, siphon. siphon <laughs> so I, honestly, planes. as you guys started the EMP discussion, I was thinking about the gasoline situation. I was like, if we didn't have it on hand, how are you going to pump it? Like, I'd be like siphoning it out of. We we put well, in just put there. in you know a new generator. It will not run if we had an no, EMP because computer unless you had uh, extra control boards um, inside of a Faraday cage. Right. Then you could pull yeah, the old boards out. We need to build a Faraday cage around our. You could build, technically, I think you could build a Faraday. I actually, okay, there is a lot of speculation as to what would and would not be destroyed because hypothetically, things that are completely encased in metal enclosures, even though if they don't have the weaving like an actual Faraday cage would have, there is 
the probability goes up that your item won't be destroyed, but not for sure. So there are a lot of things inside of a metal enclosure. People have tested like 50 cal ammo cans. Are they EMP proof and things like that? And sometimes mm. they are. It's, and then some items are more sensitive and it's not enough. Right. Um, so it, it just depends. Uh, that generator is in a metal box. Um, but, you know, the other things like the cables that feed into it, that's why you have to have the board, like the control board I'm talking about, unhooked right. in a Faraday, completely enclosed. It's not actually hooked into a circuit because all that stuff feeds back through, you know, grounds and cables that go into the house and stuff like that. It all feeds through that. So you'd have to have it completely isolated. But if you did have them in a bag and all the ones in the generator got smoked, you could swap them. And unless... Some unless they did it again, it, yeah, yeah. You know, then, yeah. Back to the whole um, discussion though with leading from the trains. Uh, there also was um, a, was a tanker on. It was in Tennessee, uh, like a truck that turned over and released all those. I think that was in Texas. The, was that Texas? All the fumes. It was like a yellow. Um, it was yeah, yeah really this, yellow, like, orange, cloud looking. And they yeah and. Uh, they originally said, you know, shortly after it happened, okay, it's safe. And then a, a day or so later, it's like, oh, I guess it's not safe. You need to evacuate again within this range. And just, oh and, and at the same time, you have, it was it Kissimmee, Florida, that huge plant of Yeah, it was plastics. a nursery. Yeah, a nursery and all the plastic caught on fire. You know, which is the same stuff that the big thing they were worried about with it's the, the solid Palestine of, yeah. of it's Yeah, it's the PVC. solid version of vinyl chloride. Yeah. Right. So it's just like... Um, Kept saying to mom, "Is like we are living in an alternate reality. The world is not nothing like this country or the world is nothing what we thought it was. It's just gone crazy. And then yes, now we're shooting down Hobby Lobby balloons with four hundred thousand dollar missiles. And I don't believe I don't believe any of that either. I don't believe don't believe anything about the balloon story. No. And I also just got an alert before we started this that said that the Biden administration may never be able to tell us what it shot down." Whatever that means. Well, I know that a Hobby Lobby balloon did not cause an aircraft's avionics, you know, problems. And what, and some of the pilots did report that. Other ones didn't, but some did. It's the hobbyist group, though, that is saying that they lost the balloon. Yeah. And the, yes, the one that messed with avionics, I don't think, was the one that was over like Huron. No, I think that, that was, was the one over Canada. That was the one over Canada or like Canada. the Aleutian Islands. But the <laughs> okay, one that was shot down over Lake Huron, it really it really adds up that it's this um northern Illinois uh balloon brigade. That's their hobbyist group's name. Uh it adds up that that's their balloon because they said when they released it, it went that direction, you know, over, you know, over uh Lake Michigan, over Michigan, over in then Lake Huron, and then they shot what I'm guessing is a sidewinder, probably, right? That's what they said. Yeah, that would make sense. At the balloon, and they missed. And so they fired another one. That's embarrassing. Okay, so $800,000 worth of rockets. I don't understand this. Why wouldn't you just use your cannon, use a gun? Yeah. It depends. I don't know. I was running that, too. I don't know I how I mean, a, a short burst of... Uh, you know, and, you're, and it's over just a you short burst of few rounds. How small does the rocket with. break up when it explodes? I, I don't know. Because if you put a short burst out of what I'm assuming is a 308 minigun, that's a lot of lead in the air. And I guess if you're well <clears throat> into the middle of the lake, then maybe that's okay. 
But at that altitude, to shoot something like that, I don't know where that's going. So I actually think the rocket might be less yeah, like, I think that shrapnel people, on the ground. People might misunderstand the rocket, too. Everybody said, well, that where did it go? Well, usually... It's not. It doesn't take an impact for it to detonate. It no, it probably blew up at a certain distance. Oh yeah, it's a, it's right. a, yeah. Proximity. Actually, you get better. Yeah, you get better shrapnel right. and damage it, it, it by blows, proximity. It has a proximity yeah. fuse on it, so when it gets like, in a certain okay, distance, people nukes just or bombs. They don't detonate when they hit the ground. They detonate when they sense that they're a certain distance from the ground because they get a larger blast radius. Yeah. yeah. Unless you have like a bunker buster, it wants to penetrate into the ground yeah. before yeah. it explodes. Like so that. All... Um, well, no, never mind. I was going to say like the Moab, but that blows up in the air. That's an air detonation. Um, but they use a lot of the, the bunker buster stuff, like in Afghanistan. You want to penetrate into the yeah, because they're in, in the, in the trying tunnels. to bust these caves. Yeah, yeah. I just want you to understand that you can't believe anything they're telling you about it probably any of this stuff, but Justin Trudeau, when he was asked about the U.S. Um, blowing up a balloon over uh, Canadian airspace, you know, why didn't Canada do it instead of calling the Americans to do it? And he talked about, well, you know, there's time constraints and da-da-da, and nighttime, you know, had to be done. Folks, that is utter nonsense, okay? You don't need to see these targets with your eyes in the daylight yeah. to destroy them. That's why we have all of this sophisticated millions and billions of dollars worth of military technology. Maybe you it's don't because we need, left all of our night vision over in Afghanistan. You don't even need night vision. Your no, fire control radar yeah. picks up the object, locks on, fires the missile, hit you know, fire and it, it hits I will the target. Say, you don't need to somewhat, see it. Isn't it somewhat safe? That just for means the pilot they're lying to, be out in the day, to you. What? Isn't it somewhat safer for the pilot to be out in the day? Just a little bit. And if they no. deem that the they deem that the target's not as much of a threat, I, I don't. Then they won't do it right away because isn't it a little bit more risky to for the pilot at in pitch black? In what way? I have news for you. Obstructions above, ground, above the clouds. It's not pitch black. I guess that's true. That balloon was really up there. When there, if if there's a full if there's like a fuller moon and it's clear, yeah, I can I can be flying around and I can look down at the ground and see yeah, it. Especially if just there's clouds di- below it's you, just dimly lit. You can see everything. Because I, I would feel like there'd be a little bit of a reflection. <clears throat> but when they when he, when he makes a statement like that, that's just nobody. <laughs> There's not an ounce of truth to that. That's not how it works. We don't go up and visually identify something that we have to do that. I have to see it in order to be able to shoot it. It doesn't. If so, we might as well be flying P-51s. I actually have no idea um, the explanation of this. The FBI has criminalized being Catholic. It, it actually is. You've not seen this or read this? Well, I heard it, but I not in detail. Yeah, you'll need to me because I've all I heard. seen it too. It's yeah, I haven't seen a lot either. Obviously, they don't want to publicize it too much, but it it's no different than um, how they've had some people arrested, like in in England, for standing you know outside and having thoughts in their head. Um, right. It, I mean, it, I saw it's like, like criminalizing. I saw Babylon B jokes about it. It's like it's it's like going back to criminalizing the parents who wanted to stand up again, you know, to the school boards. It's all this idea of extreme white nationalism. Um, what it really is, they're using a label to say anybody that holds really traditional values 
that our country, right. because all of the values that they're trying to put into place in our country now are are extremely not traditional, um, then we use that as a label. We put a label on it so that we can criminalize it. And so it, it's only, and they're going after what is seen to be, would be the most extreme in Christianity. It's not even just Catholicism. It's, it's um, Latin, churches that hold Latin mass. So they're calling it like an extreme Catholicism. Um, I was not say, the Pope's like practically on their side. Hey, so, I'm sorry, but that is the least extreme Catholicism because what, what danger are those people who want to go to a service where they don't even understand what's being said? Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I think I, I think that uh, Latin Mass is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Okay. It's, it, unless it's, you speak Latin. It is, um, well, if you go to Catholic school, you do learn some Latin. Um, but it's being used because it's what they can put the label on that makes the most sense. It's only the first because that will then move into extreme Baptist, extreme Methodist, extreme Pes- What's an extreme Baptist? I, I, but they drown them. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I've ever met an extreme Baptist. If you want to talk life. about this is a gateway religion, okay, like a gateway drug. <laughs> this is just a gateway for them to move on, but they have to start with what people can – Say, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. So then why not start with like start. Westboro Baptist I do not Church? Know how that, yeah, I was gonna say. Why not start with the, the because they are extremely liberal and supportive of liberal politicians. No, they like them because they're racist. And they're anti-American. They love racists. Yes. Yeah, they it, it they are a very racist group. Yeah, and all and Democrats are super racist. They are. This is true. That is their party platform pretty much anymore. Racism. Um, so speaking of the FBI, you put another one in here. Oh, the New York City. Un- unvaccinated teachers in New York City who refuse to have their fingerprints sent to the FBI. No, they had their fingerprints Wait. sent to the FBI. I'm sorry. Maybe, were, I typed, says, maybe I typed it, typed it wrong. wrong. Okay. They refused okay. to get the vaccine. Yes. So this New York City is sending their names and fingerprints to the FBI. Because they haven't been because vaccinated. they haven't been vaccinated, just like the CDC is now compiling and been a given list. A problem co- code, right? They've been given a problem code, like what people that use the word freedom, people that use the word you know, fly the Gadsden flag. How many problem flag. codes do you think that we have? I have <laughs> Bevington Banner has a whole list <laughs> of problem codes. You know how um, the left, you know how the left tries to identify as as many things that gives them victimization status. Like they check all the boxes to be a victim. Yes, we check right. all we check. the boxes <laughs> of problems for, <laughs> for for being a problem. But you know what's so weird is that while they're wanting to, they're pushing this. There are literally countries that are shutting down giving the vaccine, saying we're not giving this anymore. Yeah, that's insane. And yet we've got people here going, you you know, you you will take the shot or shot or the FBI will be knocking on your door. The the CDC now our, our your doctor. The next time you visit, if they haven't already asked you, my understanding is they're going to be mandated to ask you if you have the vaccine, and you will be. They have never asked me. You will actually. be coded. You know, this is you'll recent. be coded one way or the other, and they, they the want they want the that the code. Month, so we'll see. So I I, I don't know. I, I've thought a lot about how I'm going to handle that. Um, I don't know if we'll have a discussion or if I'll just say, okay, um, this appointment's over with. You're no longer my doctor. I'm leaving now. 
So you can you you know you you can't put any code on my on my record because we didn't have this appointment because I'm leaving and um, I didn't answer your question. So you're not I, my doctor. The other you question can't. to ask them is at this. Okay, the other question I would ask at this point is I would say okay before I answer that at this point. Would you, knowing what you know now, would you still recommend that I get the vaccine? And if they say yes, you leave. I think. And you say, that, yeah, yeah. You, that's I think ridiculous. you'd be shocked how many doctors and people in the med still don't know a fraction of what we know. And that doesn't make any sense, but I'm confident that it's true. Can we then talk about that article that you sent us that I try, I looked so hard because I wanted it to be parody. And it's not. The, the article, Read the headline, please. It is, they knew. Why didn't the unvaccinated do more to warn us? I My blood boils when I read this. And apparently their blood is on my hands because it says that in exact words in this article, um, as the world struggles to come to terms with the devastating effects of COVID-19 pandemic, one question that continues to surface is why the unvaccinated didn't do more to warn us about the potential dangers of being injected. Um, it says uh, they uh, the, their unvaccinated friends stood by and let them do it. Some of them said too little. Some said nothing at all, even though they knew what we didn't. Our blood is now on their hands. That is directly out of this article. It's insane. Everybody was scared to say anything. Yeah, but millions and millions of people did. I'll say this, though. I, I didn't take the vaccine because I had some great insight to the mRNA vaccine technology. I didn't take it because I wasn't scared of dying. And I wasn't so I didn't think there was a need to take an experimental vaccine that was just being rolled out in a hurry with none of the you know, testing and long-term study of the effects, none of that available. I just didn't see the point in taking this vaccine. For all I knew, it was perfectly wonderful and very, very, you know, good for you and going to do a great job. But not knowing that there hadn't been the normal process, even though now I'm even more susceptible or skeptical of that, I just, I wasn't scared of dying from this because I, because I, Shortly, it didn't take too long to get a feel for what was going on, and you knew that the numbers were overinflated. There are stories now coming out where doctors and nurses were paid to put people to give people basically no, you know, real treatment and put them on a ventilator so they would die, so they could increase the numbers. Um, but I always knew that the death rate was overinflated when you when you looked into it a little bit. Yeah, there were varying reports, but you knew that something was hinky with it. You knew it wasn't the, you know, the, the high death rate that they originally touted. So, I just didn't I wasn't that worried about it because I knew it wasn't an unhealthy person and you looked at who it was killing, you looked at the death rate, and I just I didn't take it because I didn't think I needed it. Okay, what is this website though? I don't know. It had like a bunch article. of different stuff and I clicked on other articles to make sure that it right. wasn't going to be that it, that this because it seriously reads like satire. I know, but I clicked but on a bunch of other stuff that was I not. Know. And so, like, I they know. have another article that 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 was linked off of that called um, this, the title is "How Do We Prevent Discrimination Against the Vaccinated?" Right. So, like, they're concerned about it, which they sh they should be because they're going to be some of them are going to be rightfully discriminated against when it comes to like blood banks and stuff like that. I mean, there's there's no doubt that it's gonna it's gonna matter. Well, there's a couple ladies that have started a dating app 
in yeah. uh, in Hawaii okay, for men. for unvaccinated people. Yeah. Um, but I that just it made me so mad, mainly because what have we been saying for like the last since this thing came out? Because you're right. At first, I will say I thought. They, they said, like, the, they, they put out the numbers of the efficacy. They're like, oh, it's, like, 93% effective. And I was like, oh, that sounds great, but I don't need it. That was it. That was right. that was my reasoning at first. That sounds great, but I don't need it. Um, and then... Breakthrough they, case. And then I hadn't even heard about individual cases, but they started talking about breakthrough cases, and then they started changing the numbers, and they're like, it's 73% effective, and now it's... Um, you know, now it's 25% effective, like the next thing we knew. And then, and, and then we found out now the if you're last straw, the last straw was, did you test to see if it prevented the spread of COVID? No, we didn't even test it. We so, were moving at the speed of science. <laughs> yeah. What is, well, what now the numbers comment. are, if you're, if you're vaxxed and boosted, you are 28 times more likely to get COVID. <laughs> that's a large number. <laughs> that's oh, that's an have you not have number. you not seen that? I I don't know twenty eight. I didn't. Yeah, I've You're seen twenty seven. I've seen twenty eight. You're gonna have to get me something on that. I don't know if it's twenty eight times or twenty eight percent. But you are more okay, you are more likely times? to get COVID if you are vaxxed and boosted than if you are unvaxxed. Twenty eight percent does seem much more reasonable. Twenty eight percent is reasonable. Twenty eight times. Well, but from my observations, twenty eight times does seem plausible. Hey, um, yeah, it does actually. England, the UK is experiencing a nine eleven every week, three thousand excess deaths per week. Yeah, and we already talked about like Germany last week, forty percent increase in just deaths. How can we not classify these deaths beyond? Excess Did deaths. you see the the <laughs> soccer player? Is he like twenty five? He he saved the penalty kick, and then as soon he saved the penalty kick, went over to headed over to get the ball and dropped dead. At least he blocked it first. That's what the team said. At least no, he blocked it first. No, they did not. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's just. Nobody, if you made this stuff up five years ago, nobody would have believed you. It sounds like the plot well, of like a horror movie. Every book that we've, it sounds like the plot of, it sounds like the plot of 1984, yeah, like a, like, Fahrenheit like a 451, thriller. Brave New World, every, or every young adult dystopian novel that came out in the last like, you know, 10 years. So yeah, along, except, since we're on the, that topic, did, have you guys watched the video of Michael Strahan interviewing Damar Hamlin? Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, it's really it's awkward. It's so awkward. He's quiet for so long. So he did an interview with Michael Strahan, and he asked him what the doctors told him about his condition or why his heart why stopped. Why he collapsed. And DeMar just sits there. It's like a 10-second pause. And he's like, um, um. And then he finally says, I don't want to get into that or something like that, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, he, speculate. He, he had the same response when he asked him if he remembered collapsing on the field it was a 24 pause but peak physical condition can run circles around me right now <laughs> <laughs> how did doctor describe what happened to you um um that's something i want to stay away from 
That's something I'm going to stay was, away from. That was literally 10 seconds. That was a long We're not going to edit out any of that. That no. silence is not edited. No. Well, every once in a while you can hear him do this. With his lips. So, I can't you know, hear, it's but he's not... making mouth noises. <laughs> I heard somebody making the argument that because this was such a national event, that where normally you'd tell people, you know, you deserve your right to privacy, that he really does need to speak about it because it was so public and so many people, you know, obviously engaged with it that an explanation is just, is is owed. So I, I don't know how I feel about that, but I mean, I understand that argument. I mean, people need. People need, need to know. So, are you guys ready to move in to a little rapid fire? Yes, rapid fire. So, okay, so on the real quick on the COVID thing. So, Nikki Haley announced officially her presidency, and then Dad saw a, a sign or a pamphlet that stated like for ad. her event that it required a COVID vaccination. Yeah, it was like an ad that puts out like date, time, Price, all that kind of stuff, because in the venue, of, and then it, and then there's a statement in the lower right hand corner that gives vaccine policy, COVID, and it needed to be and vaccinated. Even to if attend that it. was a policy, even if that was a policy of the venue, that's really bad on yeah, her. You for move doing a venue, it there, move venue. Yeah, yeah cancel that's it. That's stupid. But also, there's some rumors that Vivek Ramaswamy may run in 2024, and when I heard that, I immediately put it on this note for <laughs> the show, and I put Dad swoons next to it. <laughs> Because we know how he feels I about I love Vivek. Vivek Ramaswamy, and he was just on Glenn Beck today, and it's he's great. I just don't know that he—I don't know if the typical American would connect with him. Yeah, but man, can you imagine if he did racist. this backing? They left would be terrified. I, I think, though, if he got in the race, I wouldn't be— But he will sound like a conspiracy theorist yeah, I wouldn't, on the stage. I wouldn't be um, upset because I, I think he could really help shape the, the discussion— that he can oh, really help that. to help yeah. shape the debate. You know, I got another thought on since we're in the presidential thing. Ron DeSantis, if I were him, I would stay away from announcing as long as possible. He because the longer it. he doesn't have to engage into the garbage yeah. of Trump, the better right. off he is. I would just put it off as long as I possibly could. I wouldn't stay, you know, I wouldn't go. I would know there's a time I, I need to announce, but I certainly wouldn't be in a hurry to do it. You need to announce as late as possible, but that still lets you get into the debate. That's it. You need to time it for that. That's a perfect timing. Yeah, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're looking at what's the best time to get in. So, I mean, all these people that we've just named, even the Nikki Haley, will be much better than the uh, very ill, old, senile, name whatever people we have in Congress. Congress right now, like John Fetterman. We found out his hospitalization. He was hospitalized with clinical depression because they have just placed him into a role that he like cannot handle, I imagine. And like he's just being used by Plus think, <laughs> poor guy. Think how stressful the campaign was that he just finished up. Yeah. He made a public statement, though, that he has no plans to resign today. Interesting. Um, I'm but just you know, surprised, you know who that, else I'm surprised didn't res- that he can speak. You know who did resign? His goiter. No. Oh, What? <laughs> His goiter, yeah, his goiter is gone, apparently. That big, massive goiter. <laughs> wow. They cut the sec- that thing off the, the back of his neck. The second head that he had on the back of his neck. So what, they waited till right after? No, they, they it, oh. because after this medical emergency, he went yeah. in, and when he came okay. back out, that thing was gone. It resigned. Wow. So you know who was told that she was resigning? 
<laughs> but oh, didn't know anything yes. about it. Hilarious. Diane so Feinstein. There, I saw the announcement. <laughs> Diane Feinstein, like it came out that she was announced her retirement, and then she was asked about it, and she had no idea. She knew nothing about it. Did you hear the clip though when they asked her about yeah. about her running again? Because she still has two years in office, and the statement was that she wouldn't seek reelection. So. She had two more years in office and they're asking her if she's going to run again. And she's all like, well, that's not a decision I've made yet. And, and her, her underlings are behind her going, uh, we put the statement out. And she's like, what? You put the statement put out? the statement out already? And then she's all like, <laughs> I guess it is what it is or something like that, she said. <laughs> yeah, so she, her, her, her underlings decided she was not seeking re-election, but she didn't know that. <laughs> So we talk a lot on the show about how we're no longer like our world. We're no longer valuing life in the same way. Right. And it's not just abortion, but it goes to the other end of euthanasia and all this stuff. A few stories that I heard the other day that are all along this line that are crazy. One, there was a medical journal that floated the idea of using brain dead women as surrogates. Got a lot of issues with oh that. Oh, my gosh. Like like organ donation. Yeah. Hey, can we borrow your uterus? You can't that's ask good for, Who do you get consent how is from? That even, how is that even healthy for the, the baby? I mean, members? I would imagine it'd have to be something that you like, like like the way that you could put organ donor on your license, like you could sign up for ahead of time. If but I'm brain still. dead, you can grow a baby in me. No <laughs> yeah. way. I'm a, I'm a planter. Um, you see that they're now talking How's about doing uterus, supposed to like- putting uteruses into biological men who say they're trans women. So that's crazy. Crazy. So basically, I'm not, you know, not valuing the life. It's just a tool. Um, anyway, I guess that goes along with the lines of materialism there. Another one, a Yale professor suggested mass suicide for old people in Japan, like to fix their population problem and the fact they don't have money and all this stuff. So he's not beating around the bush at all there. And then a third one, we talk a lot about Canadian euthanasia. So this is a story about a Canadian euthanasia provider that regretted ending the life of a young cancer patient with a 65% chance for a cure. That's crazy. But they've now moved to where even younger people, they are, are eligible for euthanasia in Canada if they're depressed. So That's insane. Something's gone Depression is a there. not a clinical... I mean, I understand there's something called clinical depression, but... It's not a, what's the chronic, I don't know, like there's, there's, right. there's a solution. There's an answer. Right. And, I want to, you know, I want to. You know, Ashbury, Ashbury University may have discovered. Asbury. <laughs> Asbury. Um, this thing though with depression, real quick, think about somebody, I think about somebody like a Glenn Beck. Now, I, I'm not measuring his value by how much he's worth, but how much is that man worth now? And how much of an influence is he having on the culture? He was an alcoholic, druggy, womanizing, miserable, miserable life, womanizing, depressed person who you can overcome that. And he is one of the most influential yeah. people in media behind somebody like a Rush Limbaugh, who's today it's he his second anniversary. It, and he doesn't even have a correct understanding of God. Exactly. Yeah, he has true. a strange infatuation with the Holy Spirit for a Mormon. Hmm. It's it's weird. Well, it's he good. may. It's I, good, I would say he I, understands it as that's God's mechanism for interacting in the world, and it is. Yes, but that's not something that you normally. 
No. We should, normally hear from them. we should take in. This is the second anniversary of Rush Limbaugh's passing. Oh. And uh, today is. And, and uh, I have to tell you, when I, when I think about that, I still. It, it, Two years and it I, makes, still, I still can't. It makes talk me physically it. ill. I mean, I, 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 could, I could get sick over it if I let myself. Which is weird because um, I don't get like. No. Like people got all like, you know, broken up when like Kobe died and stuff like that. And I've no. never. I, I didn't know that person, but it's just different. Yeah. But, yeah. When he talked about it, when, when, uh, again, I listened to that man Bongino every day for 30 years. Yeah. Right. There are people that I listen to now that I feel like, you know, I know so much about them and you know about, like, you've listened to them for so long through their life that you feel like you, yeah. you know them. You know, and at you the know same their... time, and at the same time, none of them, none of their deaths would have the same impact no. that Rush did. It, which I don't, that's not to say that I, you know, I wouldn't to be me, upset was, if they died, but it's not the same. But I, I was so disappointed because I think as a country we needed him so desperately. Um, you know, you you made a comment about uh, I, Megan Kelly. I don't like all of her shows; they don't always interest me. But you are right. You made a, a comment about her being the great interviewer. She's a great. She interviewer. is a great, and interviewer. she would she would interview Crane and Company are terrible. <laughs> they would have done. She would do a great interview with her that girl. Yeah, she, that swimmer, she really is. We swim against Leah Thomas. She's Crane & Company is still, I cannot stand that show. They're I so want bad. to so bad. It is a sport. I like sports, and I despise the primary, the main sports media, and they're yes. owned by, you know, Daily Wire, who... Right. Yeah. But um, but still, I want to like them. I want them. to tell Daily Wire, I could do a better sports I show. I want to like them, Please. but it's bad. Hey, I'll tell you that Brett Cooper though is that her name? Yeah, she's hilarious. She I love her. if she doesn't just become a caricature of herself, she's going to be a superstar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. She 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 already is. How old is she? She young. Twenty one. Is she that she's old? 21. I thought she looked like she was like seventeen. Maybe that's what happens when you get old. Everybody looks young. Um, Asbury Theological Asbury yes. University. Yeah. So this revival has been going on, or this, basically it was, a, it was a service that just didn't end, and it's 10 plus days now. And uh, I did see, so there are people coming from all over the country to, all over the world. to be there. Other other ch- schools, little things are kind of happening at other schools around. I have an article about it happening at, um, in, at another school in Kentucky. And then um, they're also like, they've had plans now, so they're going to close it off to outside people and move to like an off-campus location. But the school is doing a ton of stuff to facilitate it and like keep it going and and um, get people like prayer partners right. and all this kind of stuff. I think honestly, the most upsetting thing to me about like there's an upsetting part of this to me, and that is how much I've seen Christians or in the um, commenting and in a way of having to like defend this because they hear like revival and people are having to say like this is a real th-. like the way that people are having to step up to like to defend this and say it's not a bad thing or there's something like fake or emotional thing happening. And I don't know. It's just bothering me. Yeah. I, the, I, I was really happy in this response. Tucker Carlson, they wanted to go and, you know, shoot there, um, get some footage and some interviews. And they did have an interview with, I think who was like the president of the student body or something the night before. But Asbury said, um, you know, there are times that media does not, help but detracts and we don't want you to come and and 
and they didn't. And Tucker Carlson said, I, you know, I, I actually agree with them and I have no problem with them saying that, but my hat tip to Asbury for doing that, that, that that's exactly right. What yeah. you don't need is for media to come in and start putting their spin and their interpretation on everything that's going on. I would right. love to and, go down. And that's when people and like the flesh comes in and things right. get weird. And, and every, whatever, every, every revival historically will has about a three or four year run. Um, and I actually have the benefit of uh, it's been almost 30 years ago. Now Cade was, you were a brand new baby um, when what's known as the Toronto Blessing started. Yeah. In, uh, I believe it was November of 94 was like when the original service. And it was one of those things where, yeah, they had a service and, and it just continued on and nobody left. Um, and I, mom and I went to it twice. We went for a week at a time to Toronto to the services. And I mean, I, I have a lot of thoughts about that, but um yeah, so we've been through that, and it's it is something that's very very hard to manage because everybody wants to come in and get their opinion and their hooks into what's going on, and for their own reasons, whatever those varied reasons are. But it it, it ends up, you know, eventually just wearing wearing it out, tearing it down after a couple of years if it's sustained that long. And I am, I've kind of been waiting to knowing they're going to have to move this thing off campus to a larger venue if they want to keep it going. And that's because I don't want to go down there and try to horn my way into their little chapel. Right. Um, as much as I would like to, to see, but. So I have coffee with the guy in our church. We try to go once a week and, um, he it was we were talking about this last week actually we got on the topic of like we were talking about spiritual things and actually we we're talking about spiritual warfare and demonic oppression and i was telling some stories from you guys and then we started talking about like revivals and movements and he was saying how you know i forget where you learned this or heard this but he's saying if you look at the past you know how many years each revival that's happened it has an emphasis so you have like a faith revival or faith movement and then you had you know very much like the gifts of the spirit movement and all this stuff and so I would say like this one, if you go down there, it's going to look really different because right. I really think it's just this very what, uh, what reverent, right. very simple, very let's just worship and sing hymns. What I've like, seen and what I've read about it is that uh, it is different. And I noticed that immediately what people were saying from like Toronto or like Brownsville. Brownsville um, revival started several years after Toronto started, and it was very different. Where, it's almost like a piety move. I don't even know what you would call this. What I what heard this one that it was be. very... Like, um, what I got a lot is that you were very, you felt very just rested and restored. Everything is okay. You're mm. okay. All the craziness and turmoil in the world and in what your life has been, you know, just relax. God's got it. And you're just a peace. peace. Revival. Yeah. Yeah. Where Toronto was very much <laughs> charismatic. Um, yeah. I mean, it, Brownsville was very repentance oriented. Um, so yeah, there's different, different focuses. I definitely like God get has a different thing. I mean, you know, this is the, funny because he literally said last week, I hope I live to see another one. Hmm. The media would be, a, I mean, they'd be a distraction. Definitely would be a distraction if you started letting them in, come in and talk about it. When you look at that kind of stuff from the outside, no, you can't understand it. You can't understand it. It's not possible because when you're there, you can feel it. I mean, there's a, and, and and there are some instances in some types of revivals, it will look insane. I mean, it would look insane. Toronto at times appeared to be chaotic, but if you talk to the yeah. individuals that were involved in it, they could give you the the um, 
neatly and in order kind of thing that we're supposed to, because they could explain exactly what it's they could explain they, what God was doing. I, from the outside, couldn't understand it, but when they would tell you when the experience was over, what God had done, it made perfect sense. It's literally why they say drunk in the spirit. Right. Or like we used holy to have to, intoxication. We would go to or, the, but you would look crazy. You'd look like right. a crazy person. And if you don't we would feel go to what's Toronto, you will not get it. And I can see no. it being a negative to portray and, it outside when you're not there. You'd have to step over people who had just been slain in the spirit just walking in the door of the of the meeting place. I mean, they'd just be stacked. People would be stacked there. You'd have to get I'm over saying, them Especially the them. media, right? The media who's largely going to be the people coming in not, not Christians, Christian. trying to figure it out, report on it. The word, like the Bible literally says that the word of God is folly to them. They are not right. going to understand it. They literally cannot. Right. Yeah, it's, I, it's why I cannot watch Christian so-called shows, historical things on the Bible on like the History Channel. Because as non-Christians, there's no way they can possibly understand what it right. is that they're trying to present. This may make us a little bit long today, but I really want to touch on this. And I'm, I'm going to have Cade play this like 50 second long clip to start with. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, active мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves their families their community and their country okay so that's that's terrifying yuri bezmanov who was a russian kgb agent who defected being interviewed in 1984 and what i wanted to say in this is that his description of what he called ideological confusion is that what he called it i don't know basic i don't know so, but destroying reality yeah, so that so we're living that it, it, and that's what i want to say and my point on this is a is one of faith of as christians is that christians need to become a lot more bold in standing up for what we know to be biblical morality uh we the view the world wants to tell us that we're being narrow and critical and judgmental and all this but what he's describing is that they the, the kgb's plan was and and what we see going on in the political left today is they're using our own f system against us, such as, um, well, we've ruled that burning the flag, that the U.S. Supreme Court says burning the flag is free speech. Now we all instinctively react at our gut level. No, that's not really free speech. I mean, and I'm pretty much a free speech absolutist, but you can't attack the country the system that's giving you that freedom so that you can turn around and destroy that system that's giving you the freedom. You have to be able to say, no, it's subverting. It, they're trying to subvert our culture, subvert our ideology by using it against us. It's, it's when we're told that it's gender affirming care to start putting kids on puberty blockers and cutting off body parts. We all 
all instinctively know, no, that's not good. But we're told, oh, we need to save their lives and they have these issues. But but wait a minute. No, I know I'm created in, in the image of God. You can't go in and start to chop me up and change those things. And on and on and on, we're being told you, know, you have to um, uh, um, accept homosexuality because they're free to they're free to practice that you know however they want to but no because that's destructive to the society that God has created in the nation that we have these are things that we all instinctively know and I'm not criticizing I'm not I'm not damning the person who is a homosexual but I'm saying as a culture no we can't just blindly sub- submit to these ideas because they are destructive to, you know, in the name of freedom, in the same name of acceptance, freedom of press, freedom of religion, you know, all these different things that we just have to accept everything. No, that's what he's describing, using our own system against us. And Christians have to get a backbone and say, no, I, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But no, because that leads to destruction of this beautiful system of self-governance that we have. So no, we can't accept that. And so they've used our own system against us and we need to be, nobody has the guts anymore to stand up and say, no, we're not doing that. Other than somebody like a Matt Walsh. Pointing these things out is not judgment either. You are allowed to, you are allowed to state biblical truths and not have them say to you that you're judging them. I'm not judging you. The, I, no, I'm going to leave the judging to God. I'm yes, but I but I will state truth. to you what I believe to be absolute biblical truth, and what you choose to do with that is up to you. Yeah, how did we ever think? Did we ever imagine that the FBI would get to the place that they would label the Catholic Church as domestic terrorist? That's only happened because what Bezmanov was describing were being subverted. Our culture, our ideals, they are subverting them through this means, you know, using our own system against us. So, you know, really my only point in this is that if you are a person of faith, that when you get this stuff presented to you, not in a mean, critical, hateful way, but you have to be you have to be able to one stand up and say no that's not true and, and but you also need to be able to defend why it's a problem yes you have to be able to defend why it is a Thank problem you. that we are not going to um, cut up our kids or teach yes. CRT or have take kids to drag queen story hour and yes. things like that you have to defend why that's not good why it's going to be a problem yes because as much as we know there is an emotional element, like there's a spiritual side, right? A soul side and the connection relationship with God, but there's an intellectual side of your faith. You need to know what the Bible says and know why and know how to, like, otherwise, yeah, you're going to fall in these situations. God warned all the time the Jews not to let these outside pagan countries come into um, into their midst and begin to change them from the inside out. I mean, it, this isn't new. This is as old as time itself, and God warned his people about it from the very beginning. I, I, I hate to interrupt, but I got breaking news. 
that John Fetterman's goiter has just been shot down <laughs> over Pittsburgh <laughs> by an F-22. Oh, my gosh. I Well, well, there's some people on the ground that are going to get really hurt if that thing falls to earth <laughs> in the city because it was monstrous. 